of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. Presbyterian Church, and especially those of you who are visiting with us this, this morning, we're just delighted that you're here with us. There is a friendship pad that's on each pew. It's near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here and then pass it down the row uh, so that other people can do the same. You can see some of the announcements that are in the life of our church. As Beth said, choir starts up again. They, their first rehearsal of the season is this Thursday night. And now that you've had practice singing in summer choir, you can sing with them probably, I think. Uh, there are no auditions. I realized as I saw another church list that there were auditions. You might need to know that, which is the only reason I can ever sing with them. No auditions. So you can come on Thursday night. Love to have you part of the choir. If you are a deacon and you are wondering if we would be so strange as to have a meeting on a holiday tomorrow night, no. As you can see, the deacon meeting is a week from tomorrow on September 10th, even though it would normally be tomorrow night. Our third Friday group uh, encourages you, you to join them for Saxophobia this month. It is a wonderful uh, player of, and collector of saxophones. He has over 200 of them. I've heard him, he does a great show, 
and he's lots of fun. Uh, he will not bring 200 saxophones, I'm almost sure, but he did say that he would bring uh, a some of his collection with him. It's also a potluck evening, and the sign-ups are out on the patio. We are collecting digital photos for our next photo directory. We don't have very many of them collected yet. Um, there is an opportunity to have your photo taken about a month from today at Pancake Breakfast. But if you can send in your own, it would be a lot more fun to have a picture of you, I don't know, on vacation or at your house or something that would be kind of fun. So if you possibly can, send it in. If you only have a hard copy, if you walk into the office with it, they can help you scan it and we can use that. But it would be more fun if we had it that way. We are planning a trip to Greece that goes at the very end of April and into May. It's a 16-day trip, and we are about half full. There are two more weeks till the deadline for deposit, but I doubt that we will still have openings two weeks from today. So if you're thinking about going, I suggest that you hurry up and do that right away. You can sign up online, and the information about how to do that is in Connections. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we gather on this Sunday at the end of summer, we are thankful for the many ways we have experienced your love and grace. For the beauty of your world, for the refreshment of the summer pace, for the many who have encountered you afresh this summer, at camp, at VBS, in Club H2O, here in our worship. And now as we come to worship you, Give light to the eye of our minds. Open our ears to hear your words and to learn your ways. Help us to obey your will, to sing to you with all our hearts, and to give praise to your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If, if I, I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For it, for it was, was you who formed, who formed my inward, inward parts. parts. You, you knit, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very, very well. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God.
Let us be seated. Oh, Lord, you have our hearts, and we will search for yours this morning. 
church, let's sing together. Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Lord, you have my heart. Let's just have the women sing the top part. Lord, you have my heart. Here we go. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Now, men, you sing the second part there. Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search. you, Lord. our call to confession. The psalmist models a transparent faith with these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We express our longing for God's leading by our own transparent confession. Let us pray. Loving God, you know us better than we know ourselves. 
bring us to greater clarity and understanding of who we are. As here in the silence, we lay out before you the destructive patterns we see at work in our lives. This, this is, is who, who I, I know, know myself, myself to be and how, and how I, I know, know myself to act. act. Let, Let every, every true need in me be filled by you. Every wound and unfaithful response be healed. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are redeemed and forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.
for two months this summer, we have been talking about open doors before our church and open doors before each of us personally and how we can discern which of those are from God so that we can align ourselves with God's will. We began uh, back at the beginning of July, actually I began, and today we end the series with the same scripture. It is a letter in the book of Revelation, a letter written to one of the churches, one of the seven churches, that, there were seven letters written to churches that were in what we would call modern Turkey. Uh, some of us visited those churches on a trip about four years ago. This one is to the church in Philadelphia. Revelation 3, verses 7 and 8. Hear the word of God. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. In Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 3, a letter from St. Paul. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The only time we ever rented a car in another country was about four years ago. We rented one in Scotland. We needed to go from Edinburgh to St. Andrews, and then on to the, the Highlands, uh, to Glencoe. In fact, the picture on the front of your bulletin looks a little bit like what Glencoe looks in the Highlands of Scotland. Now, the trouble was uh, we couldn't really get to any of those places, to places we wanted to go exactly within the time that we had if we didn't drive. We were hesitant, but it was the only way, really, that we could do it in the amount of time that we had. Driving where you've never been before can be an adventure, can't it? You learn a lot about yourself, and you learn a lot about whoever it is that's with you, your spouse or your traveling companion. The issue was not about driving on the wrong side of the road. But in rural Scotland, there are a number of surprises. The roads are very, very narrow, one lane each way. And along the side, right there on the side of those very narrow roads, are hedgerows. Hedgerows are hedges, and they're very tall. You cannot see, right or left. You can see the road ahead of you, 
except when it goes up and down, and then you can see almost nothing ahead of you. There are almost no signs. So you actually don't really know where you are. In fact, we got to a town where, at least as far as, far as we could see, there was no sign telling us what town we were in. And there is almost no cellular coverage, which means no GPS. So we had a paper map. Do you remember paper maps? Now, the thing about paper maps is there's no little blue dot that tells you where you are on the paper map and that moves with you or that tells you which direction that you're pointing. In fact, when we got to the town that seemed to have no sign, we had to get out of the car and ask where we were because we did know what town we were in and therefore which direction to turn to get to where we were going in the highlands. As frustratingly slow as it was, it really was the only way that we could go. And we certainly learned that we weren't as smart as we thought that we were. As a church, we're heading down a road that most of us have never been on before. Other people have given us a map. It's a good map. We've talked about that map a lot. We will have an interim pastor. The interim pastor will help us do a congregational study. We will discover our strengths and our weaknesses. We will also discover where God might be calling us in the community. We will then make a job description for the pastor that we think would be the right person to lead us wherever that is. And then we will have a search committee, pastor nominating committee. It will probably have about nine people on it. Probably about 50 of you have told me that you're interested in that committee. Too soon, too soon, hold your horses. There'll be about nine people probably. They'll meet every week. They will do a lot of homework. They will read lots of dossiers. They will, list, they will do interviews. They will listen to sermons online. They will go and visit some other churches. And then they will give us a name. It'll take a while. They will work very hard. We may encounter some surprises. We may discover that it's really a two-lane road and that there are hedgerows and we can't exactly see where we're going, and that it's taking a lot longer than we want it to take. Somebody at the Bible studies this week said this time that we're going into reminded her of the time when we were rebuilding this sanctuary. How many of you were not here when we were rebuilding the sanctuary? Oh, a lot of you. Oh, we had to move out. We had to move out for about, what, now, a year and a half, two years? Almost three. Almost three years. Where do you go? We went to Tankersley Hall. In fact, that banner, those three banners, we commissioned an artist to make those for us so that the front of Tankersley Hall would kind of look like church instead of just looking like vacation Bible school room and a room where you eat potluck. So we were a little nervous moving over there. We had a lot of grief leaving this place. A bunch of you helped us take out all the furniture. We took out, all, all this is new. This new, is all new, the pews are all new, and we gave it to some churches. It was right after Katrina, a few years after Katrina. We gave it to some churches who had lost everything in Katrina, but we moved over to Tank Hall. When we were there, 
we actually discovered there were some good things about being there. It kind of shook us up. People who normally sit right there couldn't sit right there because there was no there. They had to end up sort of sitting over there. And they ended up meeting all these people that they didn't usually meet because they actually had to sit by somebody that they didn't know. There was no transept. You people who hide in the transept in the back, there was none. You couldn't hide. I see you waving at me. There was, and the back row was nowhere close to that far away. So those of you who like to hide in the back row, you couldn't do that or hide in the balcony? No balcony. We were closer together. We really liked it. There were actually a few people who were sorry when it was time to move back to the sanctuary, which is hard for us to believe. But there were some good things that happened to us in that time. There were, it took a long time, but it was not wasted time. Not only because a lot of the details here had to be done right, and they were done beautifully because we gave it enough time, but it was also time when we changed as a people. There were things about us we would not have learned and we have, would never have grown into if we had not been in that situation. The time was well spent for us. A few weeks ago, earlier in the summer, Steve preached about wisdom as part of what we do in order to discern where it is that God is leading us, whether it's personally or as a church. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, there is a woman who stands at the crossroads and points. Her name is Sophia. She is the personification of wisdom. It's the Greek word for wisdom. And she tells travelers, this is the way to go. This is the way that leads to life. But you really don't want to go down that road. That road will lead to nothing but trouble. Wisdom. Standing there, telling us which way to go, like a sign in Scotland. In the book of James, James says, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, and it will be given to you. People say you get wise when you're older. Heh. You know that's not always true. Instead, James says, ask God, and God will listen to you. God will answer what you're asking. So I believe a key part of discerning God's will is asking for wisdom, and then believing that God is giving it to you, that the decisions that are before you, you can actually make some decisions not by magic, but because God is giving you his wisdom and pointing to you at the crossroads which way it is that you should go. I find myself praying for wisdom for lots of people. Ooh, for parents of young children, for teenagers, for kids just gone off to college. Some of you have kids you've just taken to college. Steve's got one. There's a good time to pray for wisdom. Woo! Away from home for the first time. I pray for wisdom for us. I pray for wisdom for myself. I pray for wisdom for the leaders of the world. I don't know what to pray for those people other than to pray that God will make them wise. 
whatever it is that is before them and will show them the way that leads to life. If we each and all together grow in wisdom during this time, it will be time that is very well spent. What if as part of your daily prayer, you started praying for wisdom for yourself and for us as a church? What if all of us did that? Wouldn't it be interesting to see what it would be that God would do? As a church, part of our job this year, part of why we will need wisdom, is that we will be discerning and know, learning to know ourselves about our strengths and about some of our weaknesses. The letter to the church in Philadelphia came with the whole truth about them. Yes, I know your power. I know, I know your works. I know that you have little power. It is probably not what they wanted to hear. But weakness was not the only truth about them. They had some great strengths. They had kept God's word and they had not denied Christ's name, which likely was a big deal in their situation, which probably included persecution. To go through whatever door it is that the letter said that Christ was setting before them, they would have to do it in his strength, not in their own. And so will we with whatever it is that is before us. If the risen Christ showed up this morning and said, Laguna Presbyterian Church, I know your works. I know who you are. I've been watching. What would he say are our strengths? At the Bible study this week, several people suggested some things. I'll bet you can think of some of them. Some of them, strong youth ministry, strong youth ministry, strong outreach to some places in the community, love of God's word, a very friendly feeling is what some people said. What if Christ were to put his finger on our weaknesses? Where would he touch? I won't tell you what anybody said. You need to ask him what that is. Where is it that it could be that he wants us to grow and to change? What would Christ say would be our, that growing edge for us? Everybody has blind spots, even churches. What do people in the community say about us? Some of them talk about us who've never even been in this, in this building. What do they say? Those of you who are newcomers, you are super important to us. Some of all of you people who said you were not here before we moved back in here, you probably have fresh eyes that we don't have. We need to hear your voice. We need what you have to say to us about what we are like. In fact, maybe we should hire some new people to give us what they see about us. The interim time will be very well spent 
if we learn about ourselves as a congregation and if we learn about how it might be that God wants to change us. What about your own personal blind spots? What is it that people say about you behind your back? Some of them are strengths. When, my, um, when I was diagnosed as being pregnant with twins 40 years ago, just want to point out that was 40 years ago, not today. Um, <laughs> my sister-in-law said, if anyone can handle it, it's Kathy because she's organized. I didn't know I was organized. I just thought that that's sort of the way people were, was the way I was. And of course, after they were born, I discovered I wasn't nearly as organized as everybody thought I was. But then there are the uglier parts that we'd really rather not look at. Other things people might say about you behind your back. That you drink too much, that you're always late, that you're unreliable, that you can't keep a secret, that if they tell you a confidence, it's going to go somewhere else, that you're rigid, that you think you know it all, you can fill in the blanks because maybe you really do know, maybe you can guess what it is that people say about you. But only God knows the real truth about you. Those people who talk about you, they don't know as much as he does about what you're really like and about who it is that you really are. If we can face even our weaknesses with him, that can give us life. What about your strengths? What would you say are your strengths now that we started with the bad stuff? What is it that's how God has wired you? Author and Presbyterian pastor Fred Beekner writes, the place that God is calling you is the place where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. The place where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. Maybe you've already found that. Maybe there's something new at this season of your life. That's the way that God has wired you that he wants you to step into. God knows your potential and the potential of all of us together, and he knows what we're ready for. And he knows where we need him to strengthen us so that we can move in the direction that he wants us. This story I can't get out of my head, the story from Exodus about the, the people of Israel leaving Egypt and traveling to the promised land. Mike Regal talked about it in his sermon that was earlier this summer. It is really, really the paradigmatic study, uh, I'm sorry, scripture, for this time in the life of a church. They left everything that they'd ever known in Egypt. Life as slaves, they had been there, their families had been there hundreds of years. And when they left, the place God sent them on the way to where God was, and was eventually going to land them was the wilderness. It was not rural Scotland. It was rural Arabia. 
and it was bleak. And that's where, they, that's where God needed to change them. Because these people had never lived as anything but slaves. They didn't know what it was to be free people. They didn't know what it was to follow a leader because he was the leader, not because he was going to beat you or kill you if you didn't. They went down into Egypt as an extended family, the family of Jacob and his children and his grandchildren, and they multiplied like crazy in those hundreds of years. So when they came out, they were not just an extended family. They were a bunch of people. They had so much to learn about how to work together, how to even know one another. They had no idea, really, who that God of Jacob was. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of their ancestors, they had no experience with him. But here they are in the desert, and they pretty much have nobody else. They're going to need to discover so much about this God. And God appeared to them in a way that he never appeared before, nor has he ever appeared since. Because it's what they needed, and he accommodated himself to their need. He appeared as a pillar of fire at night, and a pillar of cloud in the daytime. And the way he led them, undoubtedly was by giving some wisdom to Moses, but he also led them by moving. So if he wanted them to move the cloud of flame or the cloud of cloud, pillar of flame, pillar of cloud, moved so that he, they would follow. If he wanted them to stay still, he stayed still. And they had to wait there until he started moving again. They had to depend on him for every bit of water in the wilderness everything to eat. And in that time, they learned that this is a God who could be trusted. It took 40 years for pity's sakes. That is a long, long time. But it is time well spent because God was changing them and God was forming them into the people that they needed to be in order to go where it was that he was leading them. And the journey that we're on, God's with us by his spirit. And it can be a time that is very well spent. If it is time when we learn to understand ourselves better, when we learn, when we learn to understand God more deeply and to experience him more deeply, a time when we grow in wisdom, it is a time when he can transform us to be the people that he wants us to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us, let us affirm our faith together in the words of the brief statement of faith, which is part of our book of confessions. Let us stand. In life and in death we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. We trust in God, 
whom Jesus called Abba, Father. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth, praying, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us be seated and bring to the Lord our morning offering. To the hills I turn my eyes Who will come to help me Can I find a place to hide The one who made the heavens And the earth will hear my call The Lord will come to help me you fall. 
Let us pray. Holy Father, you commanded light to shine out of darkness, divided the sea and dry land, created the vast universe, and you called it good. You made us in your image to live and move and have our being, and you gave us the breath of life. You softened our hearts and gave us the will to love you and to love one another. Thank you for revealing your glory, the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word that guides us into your truth and salvation. Thank you for your grace that blesses us with love and peace. And we do lift up your church this morning, that you would renew in your whole church the passionate desire for the coming of your kingdom, which unites all Christians in one mission to the world, that we would all grow up together into him who is our head, the Savior of the world. Lord, it's been brought to our attention once again over these weeks, and so we pray for those who have suffered abuse. We know that you care deeply for the brokenhearted, and so we ask for justice and restoration in their lives, both spiritually and emotionally. Have mercy and bring needed healing. Give strength and courage to find that path to freedom, and may your church be an advocate for justice and wholeness, lifting up truth and humility. We live for the day when your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy comes in its fullness. And so send your spirit upon all people. Strengthen us in all goodness and pour out in us your unfailing love. May our gifts today be a sign for each other and the world that we pledge to work together in your name for the healing and salvation of this broken and hurting world through Christ our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here we go. He will not let me fall. He will not let me fall. He is never weary, and He will not let me fall. He will not let me fall. He will not let me fall. you fall. He will not let you fall. He will not let you fall. He is never weary and he will not let you us. He will not let us fall. He will not let us fall. He is never weary and he will not let us fall. He will not let us fall. He will not he is never weary, and he will not. One more time, church. He will not let us fall. He will not let us fall. Yeah. He is never weary, and he will not 
charge and benediction today is on the back of the bulletin. It is responsive. It is a prayer by Martin Luther that was prayed by one of our staff members at our staff's farewell lunch for Jerry. It was a great prayer for him, and it is a great prayer for us as a congregation. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.